Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the third episode of The Old Lady Speaks here on Black and White and Red All Over. This is your host, once again, Danny, coming to you on the day before group training in Italy is supposed to start up. We don't know if it'll actually start up because, of course, this is Italy, so everything seems to change by the hour. I am here with my three usual suspects, Sam Lepresti. Hello, Sam. Greetings, Danny. Greetings, everyone. The 70,000-word author, Chucks. Hello. Good afternoon, everyone. <laughs> and the proud large adult father of Paulo Dybala, Sergio Romero. Hello, Sergio. Hello, what's good? What's good? And this week, as an added bonus, we have our uh, long-haired Texan Hunter Sharpless. Hello, Mr. Hunter. How you doing? What's up, guys? Glad to be here. All right. As we, uh, we started last week off with a little bit of number trivia, so I figured I'd pose this question to the group. Obviously, uh, we know who the, the number three uh, jersey is currently, but do you guys remember who the person before Giorgio Chiellini was to wear the number three? Given the stuff we discussed before getting on the episode, I believe it's going to be Felipe Mel. No, he was five, wasn't he? Was he was four. He was four? Oh, he was close. Four. Close. Close. <laughs> Close, but no cigar. <laughs> Man, I can't actually think of it. Chucks, do you want a hint? It might ring. You might, you might get it right after I say this. Sure. The former blog manager before we moved to SB Nation, what was his pen name? Uh, Aaron G- I don't know. I, no. Marco, Marco Mota. Nope. Marco Mota. Nope. No, he, he was, was number two. two. We mentioned him last week. Oh, no. Alicia. 
Alessio. Oh, the, uh, Takina. No. Yep. Takina. Yep. There you really? go. Are you serious? Uh, oh, wow. 2002-03 and 2004-05, he wore number three. Wow. That's, oh, yeah, look, yeah. I guess, yeah. I see look, looking back on it, and this was before my fandom days, he uh, definitely was one to look like uh, change his number around. So all the Juve historians out there, please feel free to confirm. Again, as I mentioned, training is going to be starting up at least group one in small groups on the 18th, which for us would be tomorrow. There's been a lot going on, at least in terms of people speaking. Sam Lepresti's favorite, Mr. Spadafora, has again made his presence known in the media. And I guess I'll start with you, Sam. What has your impression been as to this actual date of mid-June for a restart? I mean, do you think it's actually being possible even though we're a month we're trying to predict a month into the future i think it could be obviously the the virus is the main factor i mean you know if we start seeing spikes in the general population as italy starts opening back up on a on a full macro non-sports level then obviously i don't think we'd see that but if things stay the way they are now which you know is definitely on the 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 back back part of the of this curve i think it's it's feasible if there's no squabbling but of course in italy squabbling is the third largest pastime after calcio and tax evasion so it's going to come down to this medical protocol which now it looks as though even uh, even if the clubs had had the option they were going to most of them were going to refrain from starting group training until the Italian government allowed for the German model of quarantine, which is that if a player tests positive, that player and only that player is quarantined as opposed to the entire squad, which is what the Italian government seems to be focusing on. And this is the clubs, which are separate from FIGC, the the Italian Federation, who were the ones that were originally making that that negotiation with the government. So now the clubs have met and are have come up with a new protocol that has to be forwarded first to FIGC, then to the government. The government may or may not let them start up that way. We've seen Vincenzo Spadafora in more than on more than one on occasion disparage the the way the Germans have done this, pointing out Dinamo Dresden, the two Bundesliga team that was placed into quarantine, into a full team quarantine by by local officials, not by sports officials. That has to be that has to be made important there uh, after two of their players tested positive. So it, I mean, it, this is kind of a long circle back to the to the discussion that we opened up last episode with, which what which is what happens if we get positives and teams were reporting positives as early as, as late as yesterday, Parma reported a pair of them. It's going to come down to the political wrangling because any delay in, in group training is going to push back the start of the season. So it's really tough to say at this point, just because of the politics, it's going to come down to the egos of the clubs versus the egos of the people in who are responsible for this in the Italian government. And when has that ever been a problem in Italy before? Never. Almost never, actually. I would say it's very, very rare in general. But talking about what's going to happen, I think the last thing I read about what's going to happen if there's a positive was that the whole team would be quarantined for 14 days if there's a new positive, which to me just signals that it's just not going to happen. I just don't, I can't see a future in which no player in every single team gets no positives until the season is over. It's just not going to happen. You're going to get at least a couple. And if you get, 
you know, if you get a couple, maybe you kind of play around with the schedule somehow, make scheduling magic and somehow finish. But if it's more than that, if it's four, if it's five guys, if you have five clubs that have to be quarantined for a couple of weeks, that's it. There's not enough time. I mean, at one point, you just say, hey, let's keep playing until October, November. I mean, if you have to keep scheduling this, you know, 14-day breaks because someone got a, got a new case. When this whole thing started, I was deeply in the camp of figure it out. Like, figure out a way for finishing the season. Figure out a way to, to get a champion. Figure out a way to do it in the most fair way possible. Now, I just think, you know, it's just going to, it's just easier not only for this season, but moving forward. I, I just think you should cancel it. I just think you should cancel it. I know they probably won't do it because of money, and I know they have to com- do the complete the season somehow. The Champions League spots are up for grabs. The championship is up for grabs. I know they want to do it, but I just don't see a scenario in which they actually manage to do it. So I would actually say at this point, it's probably better to just call it off. Just, you know, figure out a way to declare the Champions League spots in the most fair way possible, the relegation in the most fair way possible, and just kind of call it. I just don't see a scenario in which we actually finish the season at this point. Yeah, and so there's another detail I'd like to add to that, uh, what Sergio said. So I'm just reading from an article now right here. It says the clubs also want the government to drop the requirement that teams and their staff spend 15 days isolated in a training retreat, retreat, sort of a deal, I suppose, uh, before the league resumes. So it's an interesting thing here. You think, all right, sounds maybe okay-ish, but scrolling down a little further down the article, many clubs do not have these facilities, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Um, So, uh, you know, it says players would theoretically have to practice together and eat and sleep at the training center or a hotel entirely available to the team to avoid any risk of contagion. Um, so, I mean, it's, to me, it brings up kind of the general issue with coronavirus right now around the world. You know, how much, given, given the stage we're in right now with coronavirus, okay, we've all, big issue, uh, big emergency, we've all, like, countries have taken measures, uh, quarantines, lockdowns, etc. So now, Basically, a month or two has passed and countries are slowly easing restrictions. But I think we're at the stage now with the coronavirus where we all have to ask, or really society has to ask, what level of risk are we now willing to accept as a population in terms of health? So now that we are opening up, slowly opening up stores, um, you know, barbers and stuff, here in Ohio, barbers are uh, opening up, I believe, next week, sometime next week. I forget exactly when. But um, yeah, you know, that's just a general issue. Like what level of risk are, is society now willing to accept as we open up, as we slowly, hopefully resume to life as, as usual. And I think an indication of that is like countries that are opening up their economies more and more, I think are willing to accept more risk more quickly than those that are like, okay, we're going to keep stuff locked down for now. And it just depends on people, you know? And, and I think that, you know, coming back to just, this whole issue with uh, with football in Italy, it's just our our clubs uh, is the FIGC uh, plus the clubs plus the players. Then how much risk risk are they willing to accept? That I mean, based on kind of the recommendations right now from uh, Spadafora, I mean, it seems like they're erring on the side of caution, which I understand because I mean, Italy was really quite traumatized by coronavirus, and they were, I mean, I think after China, they were the first country to truly like be 
really, really, really hard hit and really traumatized by this. I feel like opening up sport in Europe is a little bit different than opening sport up here in the U.S. right now, where in certain areas of the United States, this virus is still going on nigh on uncontained because of certain political things that I won't get into here because that's not our purview. But also you have to remember, we in the U.S. were about six weeks behind in terms of this all starting up, in terms of it getting bad. The, the, the countries in Europe that are opening are opening because that risk level is dropping a little bit overall for them. Now, Italy, obviously, being one of the places in Europe that was the hardest hit and has probably the most to lose in terms of a second wave if one were to occur, I can totally see why it's why they're taking a precautionary route. Personally, I feel like I, I agree with you, Sergio, in that under the current guy, under the current thing that the that the Italian government wants, I don't see a season. If the clubs are able to force them into a German and English style policy, then I think a season is possible. But under the current thing, I think you're right now. All right, Hunter, let's uh, bring you into the equation here. You wrote an article earlier this week about Juventus's identity stem from a Twitter question. So we're trying to work the Twitter questions into as many platforms as possible here. You looked at the club before and after Ronaldo and the, the players that have arrived, have been here and left and all that. But I guess kind of what, what what's your general impression kind of going off the article about how things have changed at Juventus, not only since you've been a fan, but just kind of in general this past decade or so as the expectations at the club have gone back to kind of what they were, you know, 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's definitely been an interesting, um, an interesting thing to think about. I went into the article actually kind of convinced that I would come out on the other side, like, yes, Juve has have lost their way a little bit. And then I ended up writing myself into believing that maybe there is still some of that old character, you know, left. And I, I think that that's the, that main ethos and that main spirit that what represents the best about Juventus is still there. It certainly is different though. When you have Ronaldo, it doesn't even matter if you go up against someone who you should be considered an underdog to. If you have Ronaldo, people are still going to treat you like the the top dog basically. So I think, you know, what, what I loved about Juventus, you know, a few years ago, like when we played Real Madrid and the final was that, we were up there with any club in, in the world, but every game it still felt like we had an underdog mentality. Like we, we still weren't Real. We weren't Barcelona. We didn't have the money of the English teams. You know, we still had this really cool grit about the club. So I think that has for sure changed. And, you know, there's the Ronaldo thing, but this is a smaller factor. But to me, you know, seeing Mandzukic get – kind of sideline from from what was really a pretty important role was was not only sad because I love Mario but he I think more than anybody maybe maybe even more than Chiellini was just that total total warrior so I mean you know like any debatable topic there, there are good points to be had on on both sides but I came out a, you know leaning one way but I think there's a lot of a lot of interesting territory like to explore on that question Bringing up Mandzukic is definitely going to get Sam riled up for the third straight episode. So congratulations on that one, Hunter. <laughs> it's always my goal. Yeah, just to kind of uh, build up on what Hunter said, I, I, I thought it was a great piece. I really liked it. And 
I think, you know, Kanji kind of hit, hit the nail on the head there with a couple of things that I had been thinking and having some trouble uh, kind of putting into words because, yeah, you, you are right. Most of what makes uh, Juventus Juventus is still there. And yet there's still some few changes here and there, you know, from the, if you, if you want to say the, the marketing campaigns and the change of the logo and trying to make the, the stadium experience a little bit more of a show and like a little bit more Americanized, if you will, of those little things that the, the pragmatic in me says, okay, you have to do that because that's how football moves and that's how football evolves. And, you know, you just have to move with the times, but you do kind of sometimes miss a little bit of, of what Juventus used to be in the earlier part of the decade, which was strong team, a smartly built team, a team that while had all the history and all the accomplishments and, all the trophies of, of, of the Barcelonas and Real Madrids of the world was still kind of like in that 1B tier, you know, decidedly below those clubs, just out of money, out of what have you, you know. So when, once you bring in a guy like Ronaldo, who Ronaldo, he is one of the greatest players of all time. If you can bring a guy like that, you bring a guy like that and figure it out afterwards. Once you make a move like that, there is no possible scenario in which can you can claim any sort of we're still the underdogs. We're still not at the level of, of the Real Madrid and Barcelona's of the world. Like, you just can't do that anymore. As a fan, I, I definitely felt like we lost a little something there. I, I would agree with that. Not everything, but it is different now than it was in, say, 2012 or 2013. For me, it was also very, you know, resonated with me as well because I, I had many of the same thoughts and, and more more the same conflict, the same kind of cognitive dissonance as you, as you described in that article. Um, for me as well, and you know, this is obviously different for every fan, but for me, becoming a Juve fan, I think the thing that connected me uh, so much to, to Juventus was that we were, I mean, relatively humble in terms of our spending, our transfer moves. I mean, obviously we spent money, you know, obviously we still spent millions and millions or tens of millions of euros uh, in the transfer market, that's inevitable. But I, I always liked that we were distinguished, or yeah, no, distinguished is the right word, distinguished from the likes of Real Madrid and Galacticos, uh, Barcelona, now Manchester City. It seemed that they just throw an endless barrage of money. I mean, just truckloads and truckloads of money at players in order to, you know, it's a controversial phrase, but in order to, you know, buy championships up, buying up all the players. But I guess my question for you is like, since the Ronaldo transfer, do you still feel the same about Juventus in terms of being a fan? Like, how has that affected the way you feel about being a Juventus fan? I don't think that my feelings have changed. I think that it's, it's like, I, I don't particularly like Ronaldo. I, you know, I think that that's been clear from stuff I've written. But I still want him to score goals. And, and it's almost like a... a it's definitely a conflict within me. Like every time I watch, I'm like, Oh, I don't really, why is he going to do the stupid stance with the free kick? And you're not the um, only one. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, but still I, I root for Juventus. I think that, I don't know. It'd be weird. You know, Dybala is probably my favorite player alongside Chiellini. And had we moved Dybala to try to make this happen, like it almost seemed like we did. Maybe then, but I don't know. At this point, I just feel like I've, 
I've hitched my horse to a wagon and there's not really a, a whole lot I can do. And this is something that I've wondered sometimes. I, Hunter, I wonder if you agree with me on this as, as well or, or if you have a different take. I've always felt like, at least for some of the fan base, expectations have very much outpaced reality because of our of how quickly things started rocketing into the stratosphere with Conte. No one expected the, the first title, much less the way we did it. And then when it happened, all of a sudden, we started, a lot of people started expecting to be at that Real Madrid type level very, very soon. And I think that might be one of the reasons Beppe Marotta ended up getting forced out last year was that he felt to me like he was still focusing on the fact that, no, we weren't there yet but that some people had thought, no, we must be because we've won all these titles in a row and we've made two champ- two Champions League finals and now it's time to, to go big instead of keeping the build. What do you think about, do, uh, do you think that that's a, a factor here? Yeah, I think expectations are always a factor with Juve, with, with most teams in that stratosphere. It's interesting, yeah, whether those ex- expectations have escalated, which I agree they have, if that started to occur before the Ronaldo transfer and then maybe in some way were the kindling to, to make that happen or if they happened after the Ronaldo transfer or it, what is probably the, the case, you know, some of both. I think that there now are those expectations and I feel like they're somewhat justified because we went out and got Ronaldo. Like, what's the point of having him if you don't actually have those expectations? Now, you know, you can pick apart to what degree he makes sense on the roster. And we've talked a lot about the midfield over the last few years and stuff like that. So I don't know, but like, you know, what's the point of not having those expectations when you do go get Ronaldo? It feels like we've been one transfer away a couple of times now. Like when Gonzalo Higuain first came, he was the missing piece. And then Ronaldo was supposed to be the missing piece. It seems like the rest of the team hasn't maybe been built properly for that to be the case. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. I I feel like a broken record the last few years. But I just think, I think that time when we grabbed Ronaldo, Iguain was still great. And you know, the Iguain Dybala pairing was doing really good stuff. We weren't having any issues scoring goals. We were having issues with that connectivity from, from back to front and, and being able to, to put out a really, really cohesive world-class 11 and just weren't, you know, we didn't really have that, that midfield totally, totally tooled. And I feel like if we had, address the midfield with that Ronaldo money not just the 100 million from the transfer but the the exorbitant salary he carries I feel like that was the time to do it and we we were maybe not one specific player away but we had proved over the last few seasons before that 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 we could beat anybody it's tough you know I I still can hear arguments for the Ronaldo thing it's we can talk about it and debate about it ad nauseum but I yeah I think that that the idea that maybe we're that fans have the feeling that we're always one transfer away. It's probably not super healthy, um, but it's, it's certainly part of it. Yeah. Seeing as it's been what if week on SB nation uh, the past seven days, what if Juventus spent that Ronaldo money on something else is kind of one of the bigger, bigger ones that loom in I'm sure a lot of people's heads these days, knowing that 
the midfield is what it is at this point. And obviously we've seen so many transfer rumors over the past 12 months involve midfielders, and especially these past few weeks without any games going on. It's like, what is this club going to do to get its midfield to where, you know, it matches the star studded names it has in attack. And obviously the very talented defenders and outside of Danilo and, and everything. Sorry, he's becoming my punching bag, I know. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Jumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Jumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Speaking of punches being thrown, is that's a professional transition. We've seen in the press these last few days, Giorgio Chiellini and our old buddy Felipe Melo have been dueling more so on Melo's end than Chiellini's end, seeing as his opinion of Mr. Melo has come in his recently released autobiography. For the group, how big is your popcorn bucket? And how long have you just been sitting back and watching Felipe Melo continue to dig his grave at Juventus even deeper than it was eight years ago? Oh, <laughs> I stove pop my popcorn. I don't use microwave crap. I'm using my pasta pop for this one. It's a metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, and what, what makes this so amusing to me is the fact that you can talk like Gab Marcotti did on ESPN a few days ago about how uncaptain-like it is to to name names the way Chiellini has. It's not maybe necessarily the 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 way that other players recent who've recently come out with autobiographies uh, like Andrea Pirlo have done. But at the same time, neither of the two things that have really been causing controversy, the fact that Mario Balotelli is a waste of talent and that Felipe Melo is a waste of space, are particularly controversial. And Bellotelli has already forgiven Chiellini. And, so yeah, Bellotelli's like... already forgiven him in exchange for a signed copy of the book. <laughs> Ta-da! Like, but in the meantime, Felipe Melo keeps on trumpeting the number of trophies he's won. Great, you won the confedera- you won the Confederations Cup in, in, in 2009. Good for you, that's meaningless. <laughs> that's the most meaningless international, international cup ever. And then he goes on talking about how, like, he, he, in one interview, he's like, oh, no, I don't just kick people. I gave Robinho an assist that one time. And in another one, he talks about how after a game, he went down the tunnel and punched Diego Lopez in the face for some perceived slight that happened late in the game. This is not necessarily a a question. I don't think this is necessarily a question of of decorum. I think that that's dumb if people want to think that, oh, the captain shouldn't be doing this. But... I, I don't see anything controversial with the actual subject matter because it's right. He's not wrong. That's the, be- that's the best part of it. He's, he's not wrong. He's 100% right. And obviously we're sitting thousands of miles away and Giorgio Chiellini lived it every day for two years. If we can see it, it's kind of like, here's firsthand knowledge of it. I think that the absolutely best part of this whole feud was Felipe Melo just blatantly and casually saying like, hey, but it could all be on the water on the bridge if you sign me, you know? I mean, that that's what's up. I, well, come I play have, with Ronaldo. Come I have play. to admire that. You have to admire that. I mean, that's just shoot or shoot. Shoot or shoot, I mean, exactly. I, I would, you know, for what it's worth, I'm available too. Like, if you want it, like, I'll, I'll go. I'll play. I mean, 
it's as likely as Felipe Melo getting re-signed at this point. I'll play as well. What the hell? I'll probably be cheaper. I will actually play for free. How about that? Just food, accommodation, that's it. That's all I need. But yeah, that was by far the best part of the whole the whole saga. And also, how dare you, Sam, by insulting the Confederations Cup, the only international senior level tournament that Mexico has ever won, 99 <laughs> Confederations <laughs> Cup. Take that, Lepresti. Against a decidedly B-squad Brazil team. But we don't care. Like, we want that. That's the, <laughs> not our fault you you brought subs like that's not on us we want that fair and square so you know uh, I, i'll take great offense to that <laughs> yeah trophy's a trophy isn't it <laughs> um you beat him in the olympics too yeah i guess so i mean i guess because you know the olympic is kind of like its own thing i guess you could argue that's the biggest accomplishment they've ever done but at the senior level because they've also won world cups at the under 17 level but at the senior level that's a, it's the confederations cup and like a bunch of gold cup which if you want to make an argument for a trophy that doesn't count it's the gold cup. <laughs> but you know that, that's the one banner we have banners have forever isn't that the kind of the funny thing about the the Copa Italia? It's like the first few rounds you don't really care, and then all of a sudden the semifinals, it's like, ooh, trophy's almost there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I could add to the uh, the Chiellini Melo ordeal, I mean, it's all it's all a bit ridiculous, really. You know, the cynical part of me just thinks, wow, like, wow, since there's no football going on since was it March, uh, mid March, we've grown so bored, so lacking news that we're gonna make just make stuff up now and we're just going to say, well, let's just, you know, create some news like this or create some controversy because, hey, we need something to write. So that's the cynical part of me. Um, then again, I do realize that um, obviously Chiellini wrote this book way before the coronavirus happened and, you know, the uh, plans published it obviously way before. So fair enough. Um, I mean, the Balotelli part seems to be water under the bridge now. You know, they, you know, had a laugh and all that. That seems to be and all that and uh, Philippe Melo part well you know at the end of the day what is he going to do I mean, he can whine you know and moan from across uh, the Atlantic but, uh, on the other hand part of me kind of I mean you, you guys will obviously remember the uh, Maui Carnaby kind of um, autobiography uh, from some time ago when there was that big controversy he had with the uh, the Inter Ultras and I forget exactly what the story was, but, you know, them getting he mad. He murdered them, didn't he? Yeah, the story <laughs> that he described of, like, you know, I was going to, you know, after a game, I went out to them, I told them I was going to murder them. I, you know, I forget exactly what it was, but yeah, it reminded me of that whole thing. And it just, just makes me think of just autobiographies in general of footballers. It's just like, I don't want to say what's the point, but like, what's like, what's the idea? Like, okay, I get it. Like, you're, you're writing your autobiography, you're a famous footballer, but as a writer and as, as a writer, as, you know, we all are, Part of me thinks like, are you guys just writing this just to be like, well, when I was a footballer and like I told this guy he was he was annoying and he was a jerk and well then I told this guy or is it like what is like the point? You know, it, it's just weird. It's I just find it odd. And for the record, Chiellini is donating the profits of uh, his book right now to COVID relief, so it's not like he's just trying to get money for himself off this book by ginning up controversy. It's yeah, not him either. That's fair. That's fair. I think we've talked enough Felipe Melo for one episode, so. The episodes for, for yeah, all the episodes, all exactly. Exactly. Hopefully, we don't have to reference him ever again on this podcast unless it's in jest. Okay, round two name something that's not boring a laundry. Oh, a book club, 
Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Got a few Twitter questions here like, like we have been doing from my buddy Arthur Schmidt the fourth. While Juve have seemed to use the free transfer and swap deals in recent years, given the current economic situation due to the pandemic, what type of deals will Juve focus on regarding swap deals? Will we see players who have been away on loan, i.e. Sergio Romero's twin brother, Christian Romero, used more than current squad members? I would actually like to clarify that. He's my cousin. We've been, you know, lifelong. <laughs> I just recently discovered that, so it's huge news for me. Yeah, I think it's funny to hear all the transfer rumors right now because most, if not all of them, have some sort of, you know, swap or trade component to them, which, as we know, it's awfully, awfully uncommon in the footballing world. It's not as usual as in, say, the NBA or, or the NFL where, you know, rates are more common between players you rarely see that in in world football but we are seeing that now is like the backbone of most of the rumors out there you get you know Marilyn Pjanic being just sent everywhere like PSG Chelsea Barcelona like everyone wants him it's like we're playing FIFA and it's just like okay I gotta get rid of this guy and I'll just put him in every single package I can do so yeah it's it's still to be determined if it's actually going to happen, like if it's actually going to be the structure of most of most transfers this, this upcoming transfer season. What I do think is that Juventus have two, if it does happen that way, Juventus do have like two very important trade pieces in in Romero and guys like Rolando Mandragora, for example, who are guys that have high level experience, have proven that they can play at Serie A, could be valuable trade chip out there. I heard one of the latest rumors that we have on the side is those two guys plus some cash, I believe, for uh, Federico Chiesa, who is also being one of the constant transfer targets. I guess as much as it pains me to say for my for my long lost cousin. He actually makes a lot of sense as just a trade chip because the back line is kind of, you know, kind of very populated right now with Mary Demiral coming back from injury. Obviously, Matisse Delic being one of the big names right now in the defense. Giorgio Chiellini is still not slowing down. Leonardo Bonucci is still there. Daniele Rugani, he's still there. People forget he is still a Juventus player. He could just, you know. He's still there. <laughs> I mean, he's still there. He could play at some point. We don't know. So it would probably be hard for him to actually get a lot of minutes. So if, you know, if you're looking at trades, that would be one of the, the main names I would, I would actually see making sense. Yeah, I just want to say as a guy who writes most of the transfer rumor posts on the site, trying to figure out new ways to introduce each rumor, knowing that every single one has been a swap rumor, <laughs> is becoming very tiresome to go back and say, did I say that two days ago? Did I say, hey, guess what, guys? Swap deals are going to be prevalent this summer. I know Juve has done a few swap deals over the last few years, but this summer, or whenever, as I keep saying with the caveat, whenever the hell these transfers actually happen, it's going to be just something we've never seen before because with Paratici saying how much he thinks you know, these swap deals will be, will be happening that, you know, it's just fed into the rumor cycle saying, okay, player X will be 
able to be acquired if you've got potentially these two guys who add up to that kind of value. I, I feel pretty safe in saying that we're not going to see the 80 million euro transfer for Paul Pogba this summer, but you know, it, it's just one of those things where we're like everything these days, we're just going into such uncharted territory that we don't, we have absolutely no clue what, what is next. So Chucks, I'll spin the next question over to you, seeing as it's from our buddy Handi Vandi again. And surprisingly, it's a twofer. If you had to make an entire starting 11 with only one Juve player, it could be from any time period, who would it be? His answer would be Lord Storaro because he's the jack of all trades. And then part two would be what Juve player has the best hair of all time? And if you don't pick Roberto Baggio, then you're completely wrong. Hunter Sharpless is not eligible to be picked, but as we saw earlier in this call, his hair is looking quite marvelous in quarantine. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I get the funnest questions. Um, you just get the Handy Vandy questions. <laughs> Which uh, happens to be uh, both one and the same, so thank you. Um, yeah, the first question, uh, you know, I think it just depends on what, what I would want to do it for guess in what mood I'll be in. Um, if I'm in kind of a brute force, just, you know, full steam ahead kind of mood, then I would want to take, you know, the most, uh, the most attacking player ever, um, which, uh, well, I dislike Ronaldo, so I'm going to go away from him. Uh, so uh, I'll take someone like uh, Paulo Dybala. Be a little entertaining and then uh, have 11 Dybalas and then just, you know, one, two touches around your own corner flags. That'll be fun. Um, but if I were going for actual, you know, pragmatism and actually trying to win a game, uh, I'll probably like someone like a, like a Marquisio or even better, Arturo Vidal. That would be something, you know, Lennon Vidal. Um, and then the best hair, well, you know, I gave him a shout-out last week. I'm going to give him another shout-out. Juan Cuadrado, Johnny Square. He's uh, And you are, just dri- you are just driving that Johnny Cuadrado bandwagon as hard as I've ever seen you drive it, Chuck. Yeah, yeah, just uh, some appreciation there, you know. <laughs> I've got to give that one to Handy Vandi though. The man's name, the man's name, nickname was the Divine Ponytail, and you pick somebody else. Well, I'm a bit of a contrarian, as you all know. <laughs> must, must be the the Dutch in you, Chuck. <laughs> Final question here from Joe, and about fifteen thousand numbers, so I won't try and read them all off. According to quote unquote rumors, it seems that Sandro Tonali prefers Inter over Juve. Where do you think Tonali will play next season, and how devastating would it be for Fabio Paratici? and Juve to lose Tonali to enter, knowing how highly regarded he is? To answer the second part of the question, very. Sandro Tonali is the kind of player that when Beppe Marotta was the man in charge of transfers at Juventus, Juventus would get with no questions asked. He's Italian, which is always a bonus, and he would be exactly what Juventus needed to play in that that regista role that Pjanic has never really made his own, free Bentancourt to go running up the the field a little bit more and do all of the things that Bentancourt do. And and I I personally think that if he plays for anybody other than Juventus next year, then that's a massive failure on Paratici's part and another really bad mark in his book. And as for where he might play, I really don't know. I've read a one or, I've read one or two reports saying that Inter will uh, has is a little bit upset at how quickly we swooped into the Dejan Kulusevski deal and that they are determined to beat us out of Tonali on that basis. And a determined Beppe Marotta when it comes to a transfer is not something to to, to underestimate. But it's it's going to come down to I think 
who he thinks will give him the most playing time for his buck. And if we ha- can't assure him of that, then he probably would go to Inter. I think it really is going to come down to whether or not, I mean, whether or not the Juventus, you know, front office believes that this guy can come in and from day one be the guy in the, in midfield. Because right now the, the midfield is not one piece away. We're not just like one good play away from just retooling that in, the entire unit. So I think that the moves right now is just if I were the Juventus front office, which I'm not, thank God, because I've been wrong often. So I don't know. I think I would have really, really destroyed the club at this point. But if it were up to me, I think you have to, to say, listen, if we bring this guy, if we pay the amount of money, if we bi- make this guy our big ticket signing for the summer, is he going to be the guy that we can, you know, ship uh, Miralem Pjanic or, you know, sell him or whatever and just put him in there and we know he's going to make this team better. We know he's not going to have a period where he's not playing well or where he's, you know, trying to adapt or whatever. Like, are we sure, confident that he can be that? Because if he's not, then at that point, I think the guy probably has a better shot at Inter to play and to get consistent minutes and to improve, especially if from what we're hearing, that's what he is looking for. I mean, because Juventus could make that bet, could say, listen, we're going to, this is it, like, this is your midfield, come in, be a starter, go. And if they feel confident on his ability to do so, yeah, I think you have to do it. I think you have to have to sign that guy. If you're not confident he's going to do that, he will probably go to Inter. That's really pretty much it, in my opinion. That's the crux of it. Inter's midfield is, you know, if Tonali signs, it's looking very good, very young, and very Italian. So that, that's quite quite interesting. So kind of anti, on a play. An, anti-Inter from what we've seen. So <laughs> I've kicked around this story idea the last few weeks. Is like, who knew that the last game we saw that, Inter would be having more Italians in their starting lineup than Juventus would. So um, that's that day. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Obviously, something that as Italy becomes more and more known for some of the young talent it has coming up, that is what we'd like to see Juventus getting back to, knowing how strong the Italian core has been over the over the years. All right. Well, that wraps it up for episode three of The Old Lady Speaks. As we said last week, we are officially on iTunes. We are officially on Spotify and we are officially on Google Podcasts. So go ahead and search black and white and red all over on all three of those and our feed should pop up. Thank you again for all the feedback. Thank you for the five star ratings on iTunes. We greatly appreciate it, especially the commenter who gave me a personal shout out in his comment because I like my ego boost. So... For <laughs> for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for Hunter, who ducked out early because he's buying a house today. This is Danny, your blog overlord. Stay safe, and thank you for listening once again. Bye.